Hello everybody, this is Parshish Parshish Truma. And the Parsha begins with Hashem commanding Moshe Rabbeinu Dabra of Yisrael tell the Jewish people, V'yikhuli Truma, they should take for me a Truma, a donation for the building of the Mishkan. But then the Pasha continues and says, Mikol ish asharit venu from any person whose heart motivates him to give, Tikhu es Truma, see, you should take my Truma, my gift, my donation. And all of the Farsha struggle, what's this switching? Is it the person's Truma? Or is it Hashem's truma? See, my truma. And Shalom Kadosh has a beautiful shot. He says that the amount of gold and silver and precious metals and precious diamonds and precious materials that were needed for the giving of the Mishkan, for the building of the Mishkan, is an extremely, it's an extremely large amount. And the question really is, how did Kaisal have so much? So the commentaries tell us that he got it from the spoils of Mitzrayim, spoils of Yamsuf, but Shalakash understands that, that even so, it couldn't be enough to have all the stuff that they needed. And he says that, in fact, we find that Kaisal gave more than enough. Pasek tells us later that after the Mishra asked the people to give, it was the first successful fundraising effort in history, which people gave more than necessary. There was extras. How did it happen? Says Allah Kaddish, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't need our gold. He doesn't need our diamonds, he doesn't need our silver, he doesn't need our fine wools. HaKadosh Baruch Hu can get it all himself. HaKadosh Baruch Hu can make miracles. But what does he want? He wants us to give to do our part. So what happened was, says Allah Kaddish, a person would give. And a person would give whatever he could. Any person would give whatever he could and he would give with a full heart and he would give to the point where he said, I wish I could give more. I want to give to HaKadosh Baruch I want to say thank you to Hashem. I realize everything comes from Him and I want to give as much as I can but this is all I can give. And then HaKadosh Baruch would make a miracle and that dollar, two dollars, three dollars, whatever that person gave, it would multiply and it would become a Moshe Rabbeinu when he counted everything, there was way more than needed. HaKadosh Baruch made a miracle that everything multiplied. But it started from the Isha Shari Dvenulibai. So that, says the Shalakalash, is the two types of truma that are mentioned in the Pasuk. First, Jewish people have to give truma. They have to give their donation. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, from a people whose heart gives, I'm going to give truma, see my donation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm going to take care of it, I'm going to make it happen. Our job is to do our part. Our job is to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we want to do. HaKadosh Baruch Hu can make anything happen. He's not limited. We just have to do a little bit and he'll fill in the rest as long as we really want to do it and we do it right. The parasha continues to go and explain each of the kalim, each of the utensils that were necessary in the avoid and the service of the, of the Mishkan. And the parasha gives a lot of detail, the exact measurements, the height, the way they were built. And all the commentaries explain that although now we don't have Besamekdash and we don't have a Mishkan, and Hashem hopefully will be rebuilt soon, but for thousands of years the Jewish people did not have these aura and the shulchan, the menorah. So how is it relevant to them? Why does the Torah go in such great detail? We know everything in the Torah is eternal and it's relevant to every generation. And each one of the Mepharshim explains in his own way different symbolism, different deeper things that each measurement, each detail represents in the building of the Mishkan. For example, just an example, it says that the menorah had... Seven, six branches and seven parts total. It had a middle branch and had six parts on the side. And the Ridvaz explains because the six branches represent the six Siddharim of Shisha Sidra Mishnah. Mishnah 
is divided into six branches, and that's the Torah Shabbal Peh. That's the core of Torah Shabbal Peh, of the oral Torah. The seventh middle part, that's Torah Shabbal That represents the written Torah. And the six parts come out of that. They explain the middle branch. They explain Torah Shabbal Each branch had four cups. It looked like a design of four cups on each branch. Why? Because you know that each part of Torah is divided into four levels of understanding. Paradise, which is Pshat, the simple level, Remez, illusions, Drush, the deeper meaning, and Said, ultimately the most secret, biggest secrets of Kabbalah. And that's what the four cups represent. The Kafta Raferach, the flower and the and, and the and the circle, that was again the Chidushe Torah, the novel ideas that sprout forth like a flower that beautify a Torah. Chazam Seifer explains that the Menorah, everything had to become from within the Menorah itself. It couldn't be soldered on. It was one solid block of gold that was hammered and hammered out till they got the designs on it. Nothing was attached. He explains because the same idea. You can't add things to the Torah. You can't take external wisdom and try to glue it to the Torah and put it in. All the Chidushim, all the novel ideas in Torah have to come from within the Torah itself, from a deeper understanding of Torah. And so on. Every Mepharish explains deeper meanings to each one of the Kalim. But there's one keli which is a lot, lot written about, which is the Aran. The Aran, which is a focal point of the Mishkan, it's a place where the Shekhinah rested. And Aran, as you know, represents the Torah. What was inside the Aran, where the Luchas was the Sefer Torah. And that's where the Shekhinah rested upon in the Mishkan. And you find something interesting in the Aran. Three points you want to bring out. Number one, as the Gemara tells us, that the Aran really had three parts. It had a golden inner box. Then it was a wooden box, and then a golden outer box, and it's kind of like a matroshka. You know, the the wooden box was, was first place. The the you had the big outside golden box, the wooden box was put inside, and the smaller golden box covered the wood on all sides. And the Gemara tells us that you see from here that a person, a tamachacham, who is inside is not like his outside. He's not a real tamachacham. Just like the Aaron, the inside was gold and the outside was gold. It wasn't just covering gold on the outside. But the question everyone asks is, so why bother making a wooden box? Why bother having the wooden box? I'll just keep one box of gold. It'll be gold on the inside and on the outside. So what's the point? And that's one question that's asked. Another question that's asked is that you find the measurements of the Aaron are all broken amas. They're not full amas. It's one and a half by two and a half by one and a half. No full amas. Nothing's rounded up. Why is every ama left broken, so to speak? And the third thing to point out in the Aaron is that you look at what was on top of the Aaron, the Kapores, the kapiris was a was the top piece of the aron that was placed on top, and it had the kruvim on top. And the question again, why did the kruvim look the way they did? We know that Chazal tells kruvim means kerabia, means like a young child. Those cherubs, these were angels, but they were looked like young children, the faces of young children. So why, why specifically young children on top of the aron? And the Mefarshim explained that there's one theme going through all these points. The Drash Moshe says the reason why it was wood in the middle is because gold is a beautiful thing. But gold doesn't grow. Gold is what it is. It's finite. It doesn't change. It doesn't grow. Wood is a living. It's something that keeps growing. It keeps wanting to grow. Every tree, the longer it's around, it gains another ring around it. Its roots extend. Trees or wood represent something that's constantly growing. A ama that's not full is because the ama represents someone who's not done yet. He has more to add. Kruvim, young children, says the altar of Kelm, it's because Klai Yisrael has an attribute of Nar Yisrael of Ahaveyo. The Navi tells us Klai Yisrael is like a young child. They're always looking to grow, always looking to become bigger. Every child, he's not three, he's three and a half and twelve quarters because he wants to be bigger, he wants to keep growing. 
That is the way a person can connect to Tyra. That's the way a person can grow from Tyra, is if he's looking to keep growing, keep changing. He's never satisfied with where he's at. He's looking to keep growing. And that is how Klai Yisrael connects to Tyra and brings the Shekhinah down in this world. The Chazim Sefer points out an interesting thing. He says, if you imagine a person comes to the base of Mikdash. He's a farmer down in the south in the Negev. It's Pesach. He's coming to the Regal. And he goes on his hike. He comes finally after a week of travel. He gets to Yerushalayim. He goes up the steps to the Hazar, based on Mikdash. And the Kayin comes. And the Kayin opens the curtain like they would do by other Golem. And he looks inside to the Kaydish And he sees something very interesting. He sees the Mizbeach Hazav, where the Kateros was brought, is the first thing he sees. Then on the right, he sees the Shulchan. The table where the Lechem Aponim was, the showbread was. And on the left, he sees the Menorah, which represents, as we know, the Torah and the light of Klai Yisrael. And he has a question. He has a very strong question. He says, I don't understand, Mr. Kain, Rabbi Kain. I don't understand. Why is the Menorah, which represents Torah, the light of Torah, why is it on the left side, whereas the Shulchan, which represents physical blessing, the bread, why is that on the right? Don't we know that in Judaism, the most important things, the most chashev things, the most honorary things are always on the right. Why is the menorah on the left and the shulchan on the right? The Chazim Sefer says, it's a beautiful question. It's a very good question. But what does the Kayin tell him? The Kayin says, my dear farmer, you don't understand something. You're looking at it from your side, from your perspective. You're standing here looking into the Kayin and you're right. From your perspective, the menorah is on the left and the shulchan is on the right. But you have to go and think the other side. Look from Hashem's perspective. Hashem is standing by the Aaron. The Shekhinah is resting upon the Aaron. And from the Aaron's perspective, the Menorah is on the right, and the Shulchan is on the left. And the Chasm Sefer says that's always how we have to understand when Chazal tells us something, when Das Teir, when Gedalim tells us something. And we don't understand. It looks like they're opposite. They're missing the boat. It's left to right, right to left. You have to realize from what perspective they're looking at it from. It's a whole different angle. It's a whole different perspective. And if you understand the angle that they're coming from, and you understand that direction, you'll see that everything really is in its right place. There's a story that said, with the Rav of Brisk, where we saw Zev Salvechik, Ritzik Zev Salvechik, around 60 years ago or more, I don't remember exactly when it was, but there was, when they first started bringing meat from South America to Eretz Yisrael, so there was an issue that came up, because the halacha is that, when it comes to, to kosher meat, you have to be salted to take out the blood. Now, Halakha says that that has to happen in the first three days from when the animal was slaughtered. Otherwise, the blood gets absorbed into the meat, and you can't get it out. Now, there's a leniency. There's a halakha that if it's frozen right away, then you, the salting can happen later. Now, in those days, everyone salted their meat at home. So to start salting the meats in South America would add a large price, which would have to be passed on to the consumer. It, it would add a large cost to the whole process. So the question that they had was, can they take the leniency of freezing the meat and then salting it in people's homes when they get to Israel, or do they have to salt it right there and then add that cost to the process? And everyone was sure that, you know, the briskerov was well known to be a machmer, a very stringent person, and everyone was sure he would say that it has to be salted there, even though it costs more money. But again, he was the Galadar, so they came and they asked him, what should they do? And Briskerov sat, and he thought about it, he said, they should freeze it and bring it here, people salt here. So they asked him, what's going on? You're, you know, you're the briskerov, you're the biggest machmer. Why are you being lenient just because of money? He said, no, it doesn't do with the money. He said, right now we have a situation that every girl watches her mother salt the meat at home. If they start salting the meat in the plants, people are going to forget the halakhas and the whole process of salting meats. 
It's not worth it. It's better to be lenient on the idea of freezing the meat than to lose that tradition, to lose that messiah of girls learning how to salt the meat from their mother. That's how a gadol looks at things. A gadol doesn't look at things the same way we do. He has a whole different perspective. And Das Torah takes a whole different bunch of factors into account. And that's how they make their decisions. I want to end off with one last Torah. Rashi asked a question. It says in the parasha that they needed to have atzei sheet and cedar wood for building the mishkan. They used it for the crushing. They used it for the beams for different places. And the question is that, you know herbs and dyes and gold and silver. We understand how they had that in the desert, but where do you get cedar wood from, especially in such large quantities? So Raja brings a well-known medrash, the Yaakov Avinu, when he came down to Egypt, and he came down to Mitzrayim, he brought cedar with him and he planted it in Egypt, and when the Jews left Mitzrayim, they took those cedar wood trees, and that's where they had cedar wood for the building of the Mishkan. So one of the great Magidim pointed out something. He said, imagine a person comes when Yaakov, he knows the Mitzrayim, and he's planting these cedar trees. What does he see? Does he see a man, an older man, he's planting trees. Looks like just like any other farmer. One guy's planting squash, one guy's planting cucumbers, and Yaakov, he's planting trees. Does he have any idea that Yaakov, is sitting here, and he's planning something for building the Mishkan, for building something for 200 or more years from now, for his great-great-grandchildren to have the Shekhinah rest in this earth, in such a building? No, he doesn't. You can't see that. You can't know that. But Yaakov Avinu, he's living in a different plane of existence. Yaakov Avinu is in this world. He's planting trees. He's digging dirt, putting in fertilizer, doing the exact same actions as everybody else, but he's living with an entirely different perspective. He's living with the future. He's building. He's building his in this world. It's a whole different life. And that is how every Yid lives. Every year, he goes to the gas station to fill up his car with gas. He goes to work to make to make to make a living. He goes to the grocery store to buy vegetables. But he's doing something completely different. He's building generations. He's passing on a messiah of thousands of years of connection to Hashem. He has an entirely different thing going on. But no one on the outside can tell the difference. No one else knows. But he knows. A yid knows that what he's doing is something on a whole different level. We should be zayichah that all our efforts. They should bring Shekhin into this world. We should all be zayichet to have the Shekhanti, B'Sayich, Kalech, Lech, Kashbarach, Shekhinah, should rest in all our homes. Should have a wonderful Shabbos.